The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Praise the Lord for that. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and through 22 once again. It says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy uh, times seven. I believe this passage of Scripture reveals to us our own human nature because we're very quick to notice uh, when people do us wrong and we get offended, but we are very slow to admit when we are the offender. Peter asked Jesus in Matthew 18, verse 21 through 22, how often that they were to forgive others when they sinned against them, but it never dawned on him to ask how they were to go about getting forgiveness from those that they offended. Someone does something to displease us and things don't go our way and we get offended. We might isolate ourselves from that person that did something we didn't agree with, but if we displease someone else, we don't think anything of it. We just say to ourselves, well, they need to lower their expectations. Uh, someone does something that we dislike and that goes against our opinion and we get offended and we might stop speaking to them and give them the cold shoulder. But if we do something that someone else dislikes, we don't think anything about it. We just decide that they're the ones that have a problem and they need to change the way that they think. Uh, someone does something to make us angry and that upsets us and we get offended and we may throw a temper tantrum and blow our stack and fly off the handle and say and do things that are foolish, uh, things that we'll regret and that will cause much damage. But if we do something and it makes someone else angry, we don't think anything about it. We just say they need to get over it. Someone's rude to us and they didn't speak to us or they didn't respond to our text or they didn't call us back or maybe they did speak to us but it was in a wrong tone of voice and we get offended and we might begin to give them a piece of our mind and lash out at them with our words and maybe even give them a good cussing. But if we're rude to somebody else, we don't think anything about it. We say to ourselves, well, I was just having a bad day. Someone's uncivilized towards us and is not courteous or kind and maybe they burped at the dinner table, God forbid. Or maybe they didn't hold the door open for us or maybe they interrupted our conversation and we get offended and maybe we begin to criticize that person to others. But if, if we act uncivilized towards somebody else, we don't think anything about it. We just say, well, boys will be boys or, or don't they realize we're human? Are they expecting us to be perfect or what? Someone's harsh towards us and uh, they bit our head off or they rip our face off and hand it back to us on a silver platter or maybe they jump down our throat and gripe us out and verbally abuse us and we get offended. And maybe we say within our hearts, how dare they talk to us that way? We're going to get back at them. We will seek revenge. But if we are harsh towards somebody else, we don't think anything about it. We just say they took it the wrong way. Somebody wounds us and hurts our feelings or does something terrible to us or says some things that cut deep to our heart and we get offended. And maybe we begin to hold a grudge and to harbor unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts towards them. Maybe we even go as far to begin to hate that person. But if we wound somebody else, we don't think anything about that. We just say they shouldn't have gotten in the way or they just took it the wrong way or it was their fault I did what I did to them. If they hadn't done this, then I wouldn't have done that. 
Somebody annoys us, disturbs us, irritates us, gets on our last nerve, and brings up subject matters that they know are controversial, and they know that we disagree with their opinion on it, but they bring it up anyway. Or perhaps they start mockingly making fun or calling us names, and we get offended. And maybe we decide, you know what, I'm going to quit on God and quit on the church and quit on the family and quit the job. But if we get on somebody else's nerves and on purpose push somebody else's buttons, so to speak, we don't think anything about it. We say they just need to grow up and get right with God so they can handle it. Somebody does something to injure or hurt us by excluding us or shunning us or playing favorites or building a clique and not letting us be a part of it. And we get offended. And maybe we become a bully and to hide our hurt, we begin to hurt them. But if we do something that hurts somebody else, we don't think anything about it. We just chalk it up to that's just part of life. Life is hard. They just need to learn to roll with the punches. They need to get tougher skin. Somebody transgresses or violates our rights and goes around us in order to get their way and to push their agenda, even though they should have come to us and follow proper chain of command. And we get offended, and maybe we decide we're not going to use that person anymore in our ministry. We say to ourselves, we'll show them who's boss. But if we transgress against somebody else or violate their rights, we don't think anything about it. We just say life is not fair, and it's best they learn that now. Somebody causes us to fall or to stumble, and they preach one thing but live another, and we get disenchanted with leadership. We become disappointed, and we get offended, and maybe we begin to distrust everyone in leadership, and we begin to think that all husbands run around on their wives. We begin to think that every church is such and such a way, and so we won't go to authority for help. We become unfaithful to church. We clam up and give the silent treatment to a spouse. But if we cause someone else to fall or to stumble, we don't think anything about it. We just say they should have not had their eyes on man anyway. They should have been more spiritual than that and kept their eyes on the Lord. Peter asked, how often, Lord, should we forgive somebody that, who sins against us? But he never asked, how do I go about getting someone to forgive me when I have sinned against them? You see, there's some things in the Bible that the Bible says will offend you. Let's take a look at them, shall we? Take your Bibles. You're there in the book of Matthew and look at Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 29. Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 29. The Bible says, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. So can I say, number one, your eye will offend you. You know, it's easy for you and I to point out and to notice when someone else's eyes offends us. We say, hey, did you see how he was looking at me? Uh, did you notice that he didn't even look at me? I mean, he looked right past me. He must have been ignoring me. We say, did you see what he was looking at on the computer? Did you see what she was watching on the television? Did you notice how that child rolled his eyes at his mama? My mama would have never let me get away with that. It's easy to point out in somebody else's life how their eye offends them and that displeases you and that doesn't set well with you when you see somebody else behave in such an ungodly fashion. It's easy to notice when someone else's eye offends us and displeases us and does something that we don't think it ought to be doing. But what about your eye? What about my eye? 
The scripture says here in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20 and 29, it says, if thy right eye offend thee. It didn't say if so-and-so's eye offends you. It says if your eye offends you, if my eye offends me. Question, do you get just as offended when your eye does something wrong as when somebody else's eye does something wrong? Do you get just as upset when your eye looks at something that it shouldn't look at as you do when someone else's eye looks at something that it shouldn't? Do you get just as irritated when you ignore someone else and don't look at them as you do when someone ignores you and doesn't look at you? Do you get just as angry when you roll your eyes at someone else and disrespect them as you do when someone rolls their eyes at you and disrespects you? See, Peter went to the Lord. He said, how often am I going to have to forgive this, this, this fellow that keeps offending me and sinning against me? When he should have been asking, how can I seek somebody's forgiveness when I'm the offender? See, it's easy to notice when other people tick us off and irritate us and make us angry and does something that grates our nerves and, and rubs us the wrong way, but we're not as quick to notice when we do things that offend someone else. See, the thing about it is, is that you ought to want your... Listen, the Bible says that you and I were created, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and we were created for His pleasure. And every time your eye looks at something it shouldn't look at, can I tell you, it grieves the Holy Spirit of God. And if you're a child of God who loves God the way you and I ought to, it ought to grieve us. But we're quick to point out when somebody else's eye does something that we don't agree with, but not just so quick to point out and be grieved when our eye does something that it shouldn't do. Can I say number two? Not only does your eye offend you, but Matthew chapter 5, verse number 30 says your hand will offend you. Look right there. You're right there at Matthew chapter 5, verse number 30. If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. Cast it from thee, for it is proper for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. You see, it's easy to point out and to notice when somebody else's hand offends us. And we say, you know, I cannot believe that he did that to me. We say, I can't believe that he offered something to everybody else, but he didn't give me nothing. Uh, he didn't even shake my hand. He shook everybody else's hand but mine. Uh, he stole my stuff, and it even had my name on it. See, it's easy to point out and notice and get offended when somebody else's hand does something that's against us. But what about your hand? What about my hand? See, the Scripture didn't say if so-and-so's right hand offends you. It said if thy right hand offend thee. If my hand offends me. If my hands were created for God to do the will of God, to pass out gospel tracts, uh, to pat somebody on the back, to give a hearty handshake. Uh, my, my hand was, was, was created by God to please him and to lend a helping hand and help somebody. But when my hand and when your hand does something uh, that is not good, do we get just as offended when our hand does something wrong as when someone else's hand does something wrong to you? Do you get just as upset when your hand does something it shouldn't as you do when someone else's hand does something it shouldn't? Do you and I get just as irritated when 
You take someone else's stuff without permission as you do when somebody takes your stuff without permission. Do you get just as disappointed when you miss shaking somebody else's hand, though you meant to, as you do when somebody else misses shaking your hand? Do you and I get just as angry when you give something to everyone but you leave somebody out as you do when somebody leaves you out? See, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. In other words, you say, well, I don't want anybody offending me, but if I offend somebody, well, they, just need, they need to just tough it out and they need to get over it. How about, listen, how about you walk in somebody's shoes for a while and realize that whatever offends them or whatever offends you offends them also? Not only will your eye offend you, and your hand will offend you. But number three, other things in your life will offend you. Turn over to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter number 13, verse 37 through 42. Other things in your life will offend you. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 13, in verse 37, it says, He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. Now notice this, verse 41. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. You see, when the end of the world comes and, and uh, God sets up shop, can I tell you, he's going to remove anything that offends. You know, it's easy for you and I to notice when somebody else has things in their life that offend us. Uh, we might look at somebody else's life and say, I cannot believe that he has not gotten victory over smoking yet. I heard that so-and-so went to the bar the other night. He's supposed to know better than that. After all, he calls himself a Christian. We say, somebody told me that she's been running her mouth and gossiping about me on Facebook. Uh, it's unbelievable, but so-and-so is living a double standard. They're living one way at home and another way at church. But we point those things out in other people's life. We say, you won't believe it, but so-and-so was talking the other day and she let a curse word slip. Somebody ought to wash her mouth out with soap. I asked for so-and-so's phone the other day, and they wouldn't let me see it. It's password protected, and they got it locked down like Fort Knox. I just know they're trying to hide what they're doing on that phone. Oh, it's easy to point out uh, negatives in other people, and, and there's things in their life that will offend you. It's, it's easy to notice when someone else has things in their life that offends us and displeases us and is involved in some things that we don't think they should be doing. But what about your life? And what about my life? You see, the Scripture says in Matthew chapter 13 that one day the angels are going to rid God's kingdom of all things that offend. And that means the things you have in your life as well as the things in your neighbor's life. Question, do you get just as offended when somebody finds out what you struggle with behind closed doors but are too prideful to ask for help as you get upset when you find out somebody else has things in their life that they struggle with? Do you get just as upset when you fall off the wagon and go back to your besetting sin as you do when somebody else falls off the wagon and goes back to their besetting sin? Uh, do you get just as frustrated and irritated when you run your mouth and become the gossip queen in your neighborhood and run everybody else down and point out their bad habits as you do when somebody gossips about you and runs you down and points out your flaws? 
Uh, do you get just as angry with yourself when you post things on Facebook about other people as you do when somebody posts something about you on Facebook? Do you become just as bothered and uncomfortable when you live one way at home and another way at church as you do when you find out somebody else at church is living a double standard? Are you just as shocked when you let a curse word slip under your breath as you are when somebody else lets a curse word slip out loud in your presence? Are you just as distrusting of yourself when you are hiding things from others as you are suspicious of others who seem to be hiding what they're doing on their phone? See, it's easy to point out what other people are doing. But what we ought to do is, is, is draw a circle around ourselves and fix what's on the inside of the circle. Why? Because there ought to be th- we ought to have such a love for God that we ought not want to look at anything that's ungodly. We ought not want to do anything that's ungodly. We ought not want anything in our life that would separate us from uh, the presence of God. Not only that, but number four, can I say this? Those that do iniquity will offend you. Matthew 13, 41, again tells us that well I don't know what it tells us let's turn and look at it how about that oh it's typed out right here in front of me I just offended myself Uh, the son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend we just talked about that and them which do iniquity you see it's easy to point out and to notice when someone else is running with a bad crowd and being influenced by them I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk uh, to our friend and say, you know, preacher tells us that all the time that we're supposed to put our cell phones away during the service, and I saw a whole row of teenagers and young adults with their cell phones out right smack dab in the middle of preaching. Or we'll say, did you see that inappropriate post that so-and-so put on social media? And then to top that off, so-and-so liked it. I mean, they had the nerve to put their stamp of approval on it. Hey, sister, so-and-so accepted a friend request from that worldly person. They don't even look or act like a Christian. I can't believe she did that. Did you notice who that teenage guy is sitting with? And they talk all the way through the service and laugh and cut up. How disrespectful is that? Did you hear that so-and-so had marital relationships out of wedlock and lost their purities? It's easy to notice uh, the nasty now and now in other people's lives. What about your friends, though? What about the people I associate with? What about the people who we spend time with and allow to influence us? See, the Scripture says that one day the angels are going to rid God's kingdom of those which do iniquity. And that means the ones you spend time with and the ones I spend time with, as well as the friends others have in their lives. Question, do you get just as offended when your cell phone goes off or vibrates during the service and you're tempted to take it out to see who it is and often you give into that temptation? Are you just as upset at yourself for doing that as you are when you see those openly disobeying preachers' requests? Do you get just as upset when you put your stamp of approval on something a little shady because after all it was funny as you do when somebody else likes a post that just went too far? Do you get just as irritated when you accept a friend of a friend of a friend that's associated with a friend that every once in a while promotes a worldly philosophy or quotes a perversion of the Bible or displays worldly and immodest dress as you do when somebody else accepts a friend request from somebody you would not be caught dead associating with? Do you get just as mad at yourself when you catch yourself talking during the service which keeps the person you're talking to from listening to what's going on and it also distracts those sitting behind you uh, who are distracted while you're talking? Do you get just as upset with yourself uh, who do it all the time as you do when you see others talking and it actually distracts you from the one time in your life that you actually had enough respect to listen to what was going on? 
Do you get just as embarrassed at yourself for social drinking in public because after all it's work related and you're on the clock as you do when someone else loses their testimony by drinking during a casual dinner with family? Do you get just as offended at yourself when you allow people to come into your living room and all sorts of undress and do God knows what on your TV screen as you do when you hear that a couple burned in their lust towards one another actually carry out physically what you carried out mentally after watching that TV show? You see, the thing about it is, is we're, we're guilty of being negative and pointing the finger and, 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 and being offended, and I can't believe they have the audacity to do that. We don't even look in our own lives. And we don't get upset with ourselves when we know better. And we don't get upset with ourselves when we've been taught better. And we don't get upset with ourselves when we're guilty. Well, only the Lord saw it. And just because everybody saw it or the Lord saw it, and guess what? You ought to be doing it to make sure that the Lord is pleased with what you're doing, not just to make sure everybody else thinks you're okay. Can I say number five? Not only does your eye and your uh, hand and your, uh, the things in, the, in your life and the friends you associate with that will offend you, but number five, your foot offends you. Matthew chapter 18 and verse number eight. Take your Bibles and turn there. Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 8. It says, Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. You see, it's easy to point out and to notice when somebody else takes a step in a wrong direction and when somebody else goes to a place of ill repute. And we say, boy, if they keep stepping in that direction they're going, their life's going to be destroyed. Uh, we'll say, so-and-so is making some awful bad decisions in his life, and it's going to bear some pretty hefty consequences one day. Did you hear so-and-so went to a party, and I just know there was drinking and drugs and carrying on at that party. I just know there was. I heard that brother so-and-so went to a bar the other night with a bunch of his coworkers. He should have told them he couldn't go. It's easy to find out about those things and be negative and critical about those things. It's easy to notice when somebody else goes somewhere we don't approve of and it displeases us. It's easy to notice and point out when someone's making poor decisions and they're taking steps in the wrong direction that we end up in utter destruction. But what about your feet? What about my feet? Uh, where do they go? Uh, are you taking steps in the right direction? See, the, the Scripture did not say if so-and-so's foot offend thee. It said if thy foot offend thee. So we ought to have such a love for God that we ought to want our feet to only head in the direction of pleasing God. Question. Do you get just as offended when you're taking steps in the wrong direction and people have actually pointed it out, but you think you're okay? Do you get just as upset and offended at, at that as you do when you notice somebody else taking steps in the wrong direction? Uh, do you and I get just as upset with ourselves for not getting godly counsel as we do when others are making bad decisions? Do we get just as irritated when we're asked to go to a party where you know there'll be drinking and you, don't, and you don't take a stand and you say you'll go even though you know you shouldn't as you do when you hear somebody else going to a drunken party? Do you get just as angry when you find yourself in the company of co-workers ordering alcoholic beverages though you're just ordering a sweet tea? as you do when you hear someone else going out and social drinking with co-workers. You see, the thing about it is it's easy to point it out in other people's lives. And we like talking about that because it's the natural man that, 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 that just eats on the dead flesh 
Uh, listen, uh, you, you're flesh, and, and I'm flesh. And can I tell you, we're, we're just human, but can I tell you, we ought to, in the Holy Spirit's power, be able to say, I want my hands to please God. I want my eyes to please God. I want my ears to please God. I want my feet to please God. I want everything in my life to please God. So quit pointing out into other people's lives and saying everything they're doing is just wicked and start looking in your own backyard. Number six, can I say this? Your tongue will offend you. James chapter 3, verse number 2. Take your Bibles and turn over there quickly. James chapter 3 and verse number 2. The Bible says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. You see, it's easy to point out and notice when somebody else talks bad about you or takes the name of the Lord in vain or lies and tells half-truths rather than the whole truth. Uh, we, say, we say things like this. I caught so-and-so in a bold-faced lie the other day. They said they didn't do uh, such and such, but I saw it with my own two eyes. I heard brother so-and-so telling a dirty joke on his break at work last week, and he's supposed to be a Christian. A sister so-and-so latches on to juicy gossip and slanderous stories like a sailor latches on to chain-smoking. Uh, that young man talks out of both sides of his mouth, says one thing to one person, another thing to another person. He changes his stories over and over. I don't even think he knows what the truth is anymore. Boy, it's easy to point that out and notice it in somebody else's life. It's easy to notice and point out when somebody else uses their mouth for gossip rather than for praise and for lying rather than for the truth and for slander rather than praying. Uh, but what about your tongue? What about my tongue? Uh, what do we talk about? Uh, what are the things that we mostly talk about? Uh, the Scripture says, If any man offend not in word, hey, that includes you. Uh, that includes me. Uh, that includes the women and children, too, just in case you was wondering. Question. Do you get just as offended when you talk bad about and criticize somebody else as you do when they talk bad about and criticize you? Uh, do you get just as upset when you take the Lord's name in vain as you do when others do it? Uh, do you get as just as irritated when you tell half-truths and only tell the part of the truth that would benefit you and get your way but leave out the rest that would incriminate you? Do you get just as upset with yourself when you catch yourself doing that as you do when others lie to you? Do you get just as angry when you tell a shady joke or catch yourself laughing at a funny commercial that's advertising beer as you do when you hear someone telling a dirty joke and they're supposed to be a Christian? Do you and I get as infuriated at ourselves when we find ourselves getting caught up in tail-bearing and juicy gossip and slander, though you don't have all the facts, as you do when someone takes slander up in their mouth about you and try to discredit you? Uh, do you get just as steaming mad when you find yourself behaving differently on the job than you do at the church as you do when you come across someone who is a hypocrite and does the same between church and work? See, the thing about it is, is anytime you're pointing your finger at somebody, you got three pointing back at you. And if you got a crooked thumb, you got four pointing back at you. So you're four times as guilty as what the person you're pointing out and criticizing. You never get ahead by tearing somebody else down. Peter went to the Lord and said, Lord, how oft do I have to forgive somebody that keeps doing the same thing to me over and over again seven times? 
Oh, he said it not seven times, 70 times. And that doesn't mean you're supposed to get out your calculator and get out your chicken scratch on your three-by-five car and start keeping track. Uh, that means you're not supposed to be keeping track. You're supposed to be a kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Uh, go, go back to our text verse, please. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. We read verse 21 through 22, but there's a story I want to point out just past that. Matthew chapter 18. And verse 21 and 22, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times, Jesus saith him, I sin not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And I love the Lord, how he puts down on the bottom shelf a story that explains what he just told Peter. Verse 23, he says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would have taken account of his servants, and when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, all that he had, payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, I'll pay thee all. Verse 27. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, loosed him, forgave him the debt. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. He would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Verse 32, Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And as Lord was wroth, delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. She had one that owed him 10,000 times. That was a big chunk of change. And he fell out of his knee and he said, Please, just be patient with me. I'll pay y'all. Had compassion, forgave the debt. He turned around to somebody, owed him 100 pence, and took him by the throat, started choking him half to death. He said, You're going to pay. Well, I can't pay. And he responded the same way. Please be patient with me. See, if anybody is, we, we want people to be patient with us, but we don't want to be patient with nobody else. See, we, we want to uh, criticize somebody else. We don't want nobody criticizing us. Uh, uh, we, don't, we don't mind handing out the medicine, but we don't want to take it ourselves. The Lord said, that's a wicked servant. He said, what you ought to do is you ought to forgive everyone his brother their trespasses. Instead of focusing on being the offended, how about focusing on to make sure that I'm not the offender? Take your Bibles, uh, please, and turn to Acts chapter 24, verse 16. Three more verses of Scripture, and we're going to split like a banana. Acts chapter number 24, verse 16. Apostle Paul writing here in Acts chapter 24, verse 16. He says, Herein do I exercise myself 
to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Herein do I exercise myself. Exercise. That takes work. That takes time. I don't like either one of those things that it would take to exercise. See, if anybody is, sometimes making sure you're right with God and right with others will not be easy. Sometimes it's going to take work and sometimes it's going to take time, but can I tell you, the Apostle Paul said, I want to be void of offense toward God and toward men. Paul could have focused on the times where he had personally been offended. He could have focused on the negative in his life and how people had lied on him and accused him and beaten him and been disloyal to him. But rather, he wanted his focus to be on making sure that he was not the offender rather than whether he'd been offended. Think about the last time that you went and talked uh, to your favorite confidant. It wasn't going to them to make sure that you hadn't done anything to tick them off. More than likely, you went to your favorite confidant to tell them about somebody else that ticked you off. But that's what we talk to people about. Take your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 through 5. Matthew chapter number 7, verse 3 through 5. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. In other words, your brother that you're being negative and criticizing got a speck in his eye and you walking around with a two by four. Take the two by four, the beam out of your own eye, then you can see clearly to help somebody else. But can I tell you, the majority of us, we do more hurt in dealing with people than we do help because we haven't gone to God and allowed God to help us get the beam out of our own eye. You see, going in and complaining about what everybody else has done or ain't doing or, or what they should be doing does not help you at all to produce Christian character in your own life. In fact, it just shows that you have little Christian character because you don't have enough character to keep your mouth shut, myself included. Let's have an invitation right now. In these verses, the focus should be on working on yourself and making sure that you're not doing or saying or going anywhere that would offend somebody else. And when you let God help you get rid of the personal offenses, by the way, it ought to become a personal offense when you're doing something in your life uh, that's not pleasing to the Lord. It ought to offend you. It ought to displease you. It ought to irritate you. It ought to annoy you to the point of doing something about it rather than over here trying to fix everybody else's problems. When you allow God to help you and get rid of those personal offenses in your life, then you'll be able to help others more effectively. Turn to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter number 17 and verse 24 through 27. Matthew chapter number 17, verse 24 through 27. 
Bible says, And when they were come to Capernaum, they, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? He saith, Yes. And he was come into the house. Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, Of strangers. Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free. Now notice verse 27. Catch this, would you? Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. Go thou to the sea, cast and hook, take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take and give unto them for me and thee. He said, listen, we're free. We don't have, we don't have to pay this money. But we don't want to be an offender. We don't want to offend them, and so therefore, you go to, out there, you find that fish that's got the coin in its mouth, and then you pay uh, for me and thee. Jesus taught a valuable lesson here. Lest we should offend them, give unto them for me and thee. Uh, Jesus did not want to be an offender. He did not want Peter to be an offender. Uh, certainly both of them had things done and said about them that could have offended them, but their focus was on making sure that they did not offend rather than they, they had been offended. Take your Bible back to Matthew chapter 5, last verse. Matthew chapter number 5 and verse 23. Matthew 5 verse 23 through 25. Uh, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar... And there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. In other words, you, you remember and you realize, I have offended so-and-so. I have been an offender to so-and-so. Verse 24, leave there thy gift before the altar. Go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer uh, thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Again, we are taught that if you have been the offender, in other words, you did something that offended somebody else, and they have all in their heart against you, God teaches us that we ought to be reconciled to that brother and make that relationship right. Then we will have the freedom to serve God the way that we should. Now think about the person that's offended you, because that's usually what we do. We're not looking in our own life and say, oh, I hope I'm not having offended somebody. I hope all my relationships are right. Most of the time we look and say, well, so-and-so's offended me. So think about that person that offended you. They did something that did not sit well with you. They did something that just rubbed you the wrong way. You know, I found that a lot of times they don't even realize that they did anything to offend you. You're the one over here worrying about it and losing sleep over it, and they're over there snoozing and pressing the snooze button and counting sheep and the whole nine yards. And you say, yeah, but they did offend me, and I know about it. They should have thought before they said what they said. Okay. So let's say that they would have thought and been more courteous and been more kind in their demeanor towards you. You would not have gotten offended, Correct it would still be a sweet relationship, right? Why? If they'd have stopped and thought about what they were going to say, uh, then you wouldn't be at odds with each other. You realize that that goes both ways. So how do I respond to personal offenses? How do I fix it where I don't become the offender? Well, first thing, can I say think? 
you know, your spouse gets offended and brings up the things that she or he wished that you would do, and it's like circling the wagon. You know what's, you know, you know, you hadn't done this and got busy and whatnot, and they bring it up ever so often, and and rather than taking offense and rolling your eyes and getting huffy puffy that they're bringing it up again, how about you fix it so they don't have to bring it up again? How about being more thoughtful and think of the other person more than you think of yourself? See, it's not 50-50, it's 100%, 100%. If you were doing your part and you treated him like a king, he treats you like a queen. And if you treated her like a queen, she'd treat you like a king. And both of you are in both corners with boxing gloves on, waiting for the other one to make the first move of being treating you like you ought to be treated. Well, if we would just do our part and think and be thoughtful, we would avoid a lot of conflict. Hey, Here's a second thing you can do. Focus on not being the offender. Quit wearing your feelings on your shoulder and on your sleeves and just wait for somebody to, 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 to get on your nerves and just, you know, they're going to they're gonna offend me. I just know it, and you're just waiting for it. Instead of having that as your focus, how about focus? I'm going to make sure that I have a sweet disposition to everybody I come in contact with. Contact with. I'm going to try to be a help. I'm not going to try to be a hindrance. I don't want to be a hurt. Hey, focus on not being the offender. How about this? Stop thinking of yourself. Get rid of the victim mentality. Uh, always being offended. That, that's thinking of yourself. Well, they know what I expect. They know what I want. Uh, do you realize that you can't do anything about what somebody else does or does not do? So rather than uh, worrying about them and stewing over them, how about making sure that you do what is expected of you? And don't let the fact that you're offended stop you from helping people and investing in people, thereby becoming the offender. Amen. How about this one? Walk with God. Now, I know you say, Brother Craig, you cannot preach a sermon on being offended without pulling Psalm 119, verse 165 out. You're exactly right, so I'm going to quote it right here. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So let God fix your spirit so that you'll have a right spirit towards others. You see, it's impossible for me to be right with God if I'm not right with you. And if I'm not right with God, it'll be impossible for me to get along with you. And so guess what? I've got to make sure both relationships are right and, and concentrate on I don't want to offend God. I want him to be pleased. I don't want to be an offender and offend somebody else. And so I'm going to do my best to do my part. And the last thing is this. Work on your relationships. Proverbs 18, 19 says, A brother offended... It's harder to be one than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. You realize that your relationships, offendee, offender, will not get any better unless both parties start getting better. Both parties start doing their part. Uh, both parties given 100% effort. Again, treat her like a queen, she'll treat you like a king. Quit waiting on the other party to do their part, and you do your part. Well, what if they never step up to the plate and do their part? At least you know you're right with God. You did what you're supposed to do. See, you can't change a heart. You can't control what they do, but we use that as an excuse and a crutch to not do what we're supposed to do, and that's not right. Uh, give space for grace. Make sure things are right. Draw a circle around yourself and fix everything inside the circle. That's a full-time job. Will offenses come? Will you get offended? Sure, but keep a short list and make, make those relationships. Life is too short uh, to go around harboring grudges and bitterness in your heart towards somebody else. Let's, let's make things right with God. Let's make things right with other people. 
and God will bless us for that. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.